Welcome to the Celtics Pod. I'm Eric Payne and Bosch. All right, uh, Boston Celtics, they have won 11 games in a row now. And it really looked like that uh, winning streak was going to come to an end the other night versus Charlotte. They end up beating Charlotte 90-87, to and they did it without Al Horford, and they did it without uh, Kyrie Irving. So another gutty win for the Celtics. Uh, Celtics just hanging in there, slowly chipping away. Uh, trying to work themselves back into the basketball game, just like uh, versus Oklahoma City when they had a deficit and they just slowly chipped away. Uh, This one, I think, was even more surprising than the uh, Oklahoma City win because 18-point deficit third quarter versus Charlotte, and you don't have your two best players. So you don't have Al Horford. You don't have Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie Irving, their best offensive player. So to come down from 18 points without your best offensive player, you know, and this is a guy... Uh, who has been so big for the Celtics at times late in basketball games, you know, just playing so well offensively in the second half and the fourth quarter and really being that guy who can step up offensively when the Celtics are trying to come from behind or when they really do need a bucket late in the basketball game. So to not have Kyrie, it did seem like it was not going to happen. When they were trailing by 18 points in the third quarter or even in the, the, the first quarter was so miserable Knowing that Kyrie wasn't coming back and they were playing as poorly as they were in the first quarter, I didn't think they were going to win. And I was starting to think that this is going to be a long basketball game and it's not going to be very fun to watch, you know. Um, but I was wrong. Scalabrini was right, though. Somehow Brian Scalabrini at halftime predicted the Celtics would win. And he was right. And there was nobody on the same page with him at that point. Kyle Draper, Mike Gorman, uh, n- nobody... Nobody thought it was going to happen. Even later in the game, when the Celtics, uh, when the lead uh, wasn't as more difficult to overcome, when they had narrowed the gap to some degree, the prediction machine did not give the Celtics a good chance at all to win that basketball game. Uh, So Kyrie Irving, what happened to him was he suffered a minor facial fracture. He took an Aaron Baines elbow to the face uh, less than two minutes into the game. Uh, he's on the court. He's bleeding on the court. You could see that watching at home. He had to be helped off the court. Celtics said he would be monitored for concussion-like symptoms. He is uh, listed as doubtful for the game versus Toronto. Uh, I don't know what a timetable is like for his return. You know, as I do this podcast um, Saturday night, all I really know is that he's listed as doubtful. So uh, when he returns, I don't know. They play the Nets on Tuesday. They play Golden State on Thursday. And you would hope that he's able to come back because that's a big game versus uh, the Warriors on Thursday. Maybe he will wear one of those really cool-looking uh, face masks. Uh, but the Celtics, uh, they did not respond very well immediately following that injury to Kyrie Irving. They only scored or um, yeah, they only scored just two points in the first five and a half minutes of that game. And they actually trailed 26 to 11 after the first quarter. And they shot just 26% in that first quarter. So it was not looking good. They were not knocking down shots. Uh, They were not moving the ball very well. So this is why you're watching the basketball game thinking this is going to be a long game to watch. And this winning streak is going to come to an end. Uh, This is not going to be pretty. I kind of want to do something else. But... You know, for those of you who hung in there and watched the rest of the basketball game, you really saw a heck of a finish, and it really turned out to be just an exciting game. Uh, things started to turn around a little bit in the second quarter. They actually put up 30 points in the second quarter. Um, 
Terry Rozier in that quarter knocked down a couple of uh, good shots. Uh, Shane Larkin, who was good throughout the game, uh, was good in the second quarter as well. He had two straightaway threes, and he had a spin move in the lane and laid it in as the shot clock was expiring. So, uh, But he was just fantastic. He finished with 16 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3-point range. He played some really good defense as well. Uh, Shane Larkin appears to have been a nice uh, pickup for the Celtics here in the offseason, averaging just 11 minutes per game, got a little bump without Kyrie, playing uh, 7 minutes without Kyrie, or excuse me, 17 minutes without Kyrie. wasn't actually even his season high, you know, but about 6 minutes more than he plays on a typical night. And Brad Stevens loves uh, Shane Larkin. He said during training camp, he said, he can get into the paint on anybody. He's got a beautiful floater, which is a shot every small guy needs to have. I think he'll be really impactful for us. So, so far, he's having a big impact on the Celtics, or at least he did uh, versus, uh, at least he had a big impact versus uh, Charlotte in the game after uh, Kyrie Irving left. So, uh, but you can never have too many ball handlers. Brad Stevens does like to play guards, and a lot of them at the same time. I mean, you'll see uh, Terry Rozier, uh, Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart all out there on the same time. Uh, Jason Tatum, he was another guy who stepped up, and he was a big part of the Celtics coming away with that win. Uh, he came up big late in the game. He had a driving layup to put the Celtics up by five with a minute and a half left to go. Uh, he finished with 16 points, 6 of 12 shooting. And Jason Tatum, like, this was a really good opportunity for him to uh, be the guy with the ball in his hands late in the basketball game. You know, a close game, late into the game where the Celtics really need buckets to win. Not that he took over, not that they gave him the ball and said, all right, go win it for us, Jason. But there were several offensive possessions there where Jason Tatum was the guy with the ball in his hand, where the 19-year-old kid was the guy who had the ball in his hand for that possession, and he needed to come up big for the Celtics, and he needed to score buckets late in the basketball game. Like Again, not that like they handed him the keys of the car and said, go win it for us, but he was put in a position uh, where he needed to come up and he needed to make plays in crunch time, and he handled it very well. And he's just been so efficient this season, and uh, for a 19-year-old, so much poise and maturity and a high basketball IQ, uh, been great in transition, uh, Jason Tatum has absolutely been fantastic. Rookie of the year, fantastic. I don't know. I mean, he's been great. Uh, but the Celtics are the type of basketball team where they really spread the ball around. You know, they they move the ball quite a bit. They make extra passes. Everybody gets their hands on it. Everybody's got a chance to, to shoot. So I don't think he's going to be the high-volume shooter that you need to be to be rookie of the year because I don't know if he's going to put up those stats every night like uh, – you know, just putting up a ton of points. Someone like Ben Simmons, for example, who's always got his hands on the ball, maybe he's a little bit more likely to be a rookie of the year. But initially, at the start of the season, people thought Jason Tatum, you know, he can have a good rookie year, but they're going to ease him into it. You know, they have that luxury of easing him into it because they have Gordon Hayward, they have Marcus Morris, they have other depth and stuff like that. So uh, nobody thought that they would throw him into the fire right away and they could ease him into it. So playing time was going to be something that would affect his ability to win a rookie of the year. And that's not the case. It's not playing time. He's playing like 30 minutes a night. Uh, it's just, you know, the Celtics kind of sp spread the ball around a little bit and he's not necessarily going to be a high volume shooter. But Jason Tatum has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Marcus Morris played extremely well. 
with less than a minute to go in the game. He hit a 21-footer as the shot clock was winding down. He came up big defensively a few moments later. Marcus Smart inbounded the ball to Terry Rozier, and then Rozier stepped out of bounds. There was 14 seconds left in a one-point game. And at that point, I was getting really worried because, you know, it's like, okay, you were down by 18 points and you're going to come up with this improbable win and an 18-point deficit without your two best basketball players. And it's like, oh, man, if they don't pull this off, it's going to be so disappointing. If they come all this way and they don't win the game, it, was, it would have been really disappointing. But Marcus Morris steps up again. Kemba Walker has a chance to give Charlotte the lead. He plays some really good defense on Kemba Walker and he ends up taking a, a tough step back jumper that clanked off the rim. So Marcus Morris uh, came up big uh, in that basketball game, a game where it wasn't just that they didn't have their best players, two of them. They were just relying on so many young guys, so many guys who weren't even in the NBA last year. Jason Tatum's a rookie. Uh, Shane Larkin wasn't in the NBA last year. Neither was Daniel Tice. Gershon Yabusele. So you've got these guys who may not have been in that position before. And Brad Stevens said at some point on the sideline during a timeout or whatever, he's like, all right, listen, guys, if we if we get some stops and we get a couple of buckets, it's going to get really fun in here. And what he meant by that was the garden crowd. You know, you give them a reason to cheer and they're going to cheer and they're going to cheer really loud because that's a raucous environment. It's a great place to go see a basketball game. It's a great place to play if you're an NBA player and you play for the Celtics, you know, because that place is always rocking. People are always into it. There's always a ton of people there. And it doesn't really matter, you know, what day of the week it is or who they're playing or apparently it doesn't matter who's on the court. Uh, that crowd is just unbelievable. It is a great atmosphere, and players really appreciate it. Like Al Horford said uh, when he was deciding on coming to Boston, that that home crowd at TD Garden had a lot to do with it because it's just an exciting place to play basketball. And it's that's not this. It's not that same way all across the NBA because you watch the Celtics play road games, and a lot of times there's like the arena seems like it's half empty and it's not loud at all, you know, and it's just. It's really noticeable when you watch a Celtics game in Boston compared to some of these places on the road. It's really noticeable how much fun you know people have at that place and how big um, fans are in New England, how how big of a basketball fan they are or whatever. Uh, so Celtics versus Charlotte. Defensively, they were huge. They played great defense once again, something that they've done a lot this year. Uh, second half, Charlotte shot just 28% from the field. They committed 11 turnovers. Brad Stevens said that uh, defense went to a whole new level in the second half. He said they competed at a really high level in the third and fourth quarters. Celtics lead the league in defensive rating right now, 94.8 points per 100 possessions. That is nearly four points fewer than the next closest team, Oklahoma City. So there's like a pretty big gap between Celtics and uh, OKC uh, in defensive rating. No team has finished with a defensive rating of 94.8 or better since 2003-2004 when somehow three teams managed to do it. Spurs, Pistons, and Pacers. So this defensive rating, 94.8, that hasn't been done since 0304. So it's pretty rare that teams do it. Uh, perhaps, you know, we're just 13 games into the season for the Celtics. Perhaps it's unsustainable, but you can't deny the fact that through 13 games, the Celtics are just playing fantastic defense and they're super hot right now. 
They have held opponents under 100 points 10 times this season. They had quite a long streak of it, too. I think it was like like six games or something like that. I think Atlanta was the team that broke that streak. Uh, they have held opponents under 90 points five times this season. That's pretty impressive uh, compared to last season. They, they held opponents under 90 points just six times all of last season. And they've already done it five times this year. Now, speaking of uh, defense, speaking of fantastic defense, Al Horford, he might return on Sunday. Versus Toronto, he is listed as probable. He has missed the last two games while in the NBA's concussion protocol. He got struck on the head versus Atlanta on Monday. He did play the rest of the game, but he started having concussion symptoms on Wednesday morning. He missed nearly three weeks last season when he suffered a concussion, but Danny Ainge said this time it was not as bad, so that appears to be the case because he may return uh, versus Toronto, and that would be a big, huge boost for the Celtics because uh, Al Horford has just played fantastic basketball this year. He really has. Uh, Al Horford's been great. You know, defensively, you know, he can guard. Um, he's, a, he's a versatile defender. I mean, he's defended some fantastic players, guys like Porzingis, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Giannis Antetokounmpo, LaMarcus Aldridge. So he's playing some pretty high-caliber guys here. Um, he he did extremely well versus Simmons and Porzingis and Embiid. Uh, Giannis, he slowed down, I guess. I mean, he, Giannis Antetokounmpo has just been crazy. And when the Celtics played Milwaukee in the second game, he held Giannis to, like, nine points below his season average, and he held him below 50% shooting, and Giannis has just been so efficient this year. You know, he forced Giannis out of some shots and forced him to give up the ball to his teammates and stuff like that. So Al Horford really has just played uh, tremendous basketball, not just defensively, but, you know, knocking down shots, uh, shooting for a high percentage, especially at the three-point line. Uh, everybody knows how intelligent of a player he is and how he always makes the right decision. And he's got great passing ability, especially for uh, a big man. And he's athletic, too. Uh, he can he can collect a rebound, and then he can push the ball up the floor himself. He can lead a fast break. So Al Horford's just been fantastic. One of those guys that does everything really well, doesn't always get the credit that he deserves. And he doesn't appear to even worry about that stuff. He doesn't care if he's flying under the radar and people aren't picking up on how great he is. He's just one of those guys that are, you know, committed to winning and just making sure the team is playing well and all that stuff. But he uh, may be returning versus Toronto with Al back. Maybe we see some less Gershon Yabusele. Uh, Yabusele, who had an uptick in minutes versus Charlotte without Al out. Uh, perhaps that uptick in minutes had something to do with the Celtics deploying the Hacka Howard strategy. Celtics trying to foul Dwight Howard and send him to the free throw line where he's miserable. He has just, you know, got a really awkward shooting style. Um, and you'd think somebody who's been in the NBA for so long and they would be able to improve their shooting percentage from the free throw line. But Dwight Howard's just a miserable free throw shooter. Um, and Yabuselli seemed to be a little bit confused uh, with the whole Hacka Howard strategy because there was one point where he didn't foul him when Brad Stevens wanted to foul him. And then 
they ended up getting off a shot and scoring some points, and Brad Stevens was just livid on the sideline because he told Yabuselli to foul Howard, and he didn't, and it led to points for the other team. And then there was another play where he did foul Howard when Brad Stevens did not want him to. So, you know, this is another guy, first year in the NBA. This is one of the reasons why it's, you know, it goes back to that whole point about the Celtics were able to win a basketball team with so many young players out there, guys who lack experience. They were able to win this game despite, you know, guys like Gershon Yabuselli out there with limited experience. Um, and speaking of Hacka Howard, Dwight Howard has, this is not the first scrum he's been involved in with the Celtics. I mean, he's, he has been involved in these scrums before the Celtics. And I, you know, say it because he, he was involved in another scrum with the Celtics the other night. He, like, threw Marcus Smart to the ground. He had, like, a—I'm not exactly sure how it happened. He he had, like, a forearm across Marcus's, like, chest or neck or something, and he just kind of, like, pushed him to the ground. And, of course, Marcus doesn't like that. Marcus isn't going to back down from anybody, so Marcus gets up. He gets in his face, and they're, like, in each other's face on the baseline under the hoop. And then all these guys come over, and they try and be peacekeepers and stuff like that. Uh, It was— Shane Larkin, who was trying to be a peacekeeper, and he was standing in between the two players, and he had his hand on Dwight Howard's chest, and then Howard just slapped his hand away. Like, he hit him really, really hard. Uh, That may have been what led to the technical foul. I don't know. Um, But he did get, Dwight Howard did get teed up for that. It's not the first time he's been involved in a little incident like that with the Celtics before. Uh, With Al Horford coming back, we may see some uh, less Daniel Tice. I did notice immediately that Daniel Tice's minutes dropped once Marcus Morris started playing. You know, once you had Marcus Morris playing the four, you know, Al at the five, and then you have Aaron Baines off the bench. And of course, you know, um, Daniel Tice still coming in and playing some minutes, but his minutes dropped noticeably the second Marcus Morris uh, started playing. And then Marcus Morris um, ended up getting a night off in a back-to-back versus Atlanta. And then, you know, Tice's minutes goes up again, and then Al Horford starts experiencing concussion-like symptoms. So um, so Tice's minutes go back up again when Al gets hurt. But Daniel Tice has been really nice. You know, he, he was... Uh, he was somebody nobody really knew a lot about him coming to the NBA because nobody around here spends a lot of time watching German basketball, but no one really knew about him. And everyone was always talking about Ante Zizic, you know, and how Ante Zizic was going to be this great rebounder for the basketball team. And some people started saying if Zizic was entered into this last NBA draft that he would have been a top 10 draft pick. And there was all this hype and stuff like that. And then you get into summer league and Zizic does not play well. You know, he had his moments, uh, but he looked like a project. He did. He looked like a project during Summer League, and then he ends up getting traded to Cleveland. And of, like, the young big guys, it ends up being Daniel Tice, who has a bigger impact on the basketball team. The guy is, you know, he could shoot the ball. He's extremely athletic. Uh, He's a uh, hard—he plays basketball— with with physicality and stuff like that. So Daniel Tice has been a really nice, like— under-the-radar signing for the uh, Celtics in the offseason and somebody who's played a big role considering they've, you know, missed guys. You know, they've... Al Horford has his issue. Marcus Morris had his issue. And Daniel Tice has done a nice job um, filling in here. So, uh, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, not likely to play Sunday versus Toronto. 
unless Toronto and Boston agrees to play wheelchair basketball, that is not going to happen. And if they do play wheelchair basketball, I will definitely take Gordon Hayward on my fantasy wheelchair basketball team because he's getting pretty good at shooting from a chair. It's a good article from Stan Grossfeld of the uh, Boston Globe just talking about Gordon's rehab process and what that's been like and uh, rehabbing from that fractured dislocation of his ankle and um, Gordon shooting from a chair. He attempted to make 100 baskets before missing 20. And he said it's really hard. It's a lot harder than it looks. And he said he couldn't do it the first time, but like he did it a couple of times after that. Uh, he said the hardest part of the rehabbing process is the mental part because he wants to play basketball, but he can't. He wants to help his teammates, and he can't do that. So you hear professional athletes say that all the time when they get hurt and they suffer a significant injury. You hear them talk about you know that mental grind. Odell Beckham Jr., before the season started, it was like in the preseason, he suffered a high ankle sprain. And he said that rehabbing from the high ankle sprain was extremely boring because he said he had to get, he, he said he had to show up for rehab like super early and then he would just sit there and ice. And he said it was really boring. I'd rather be playing football, you know. Um, but I'm well aware of all the Odell Beckham injuries first starting the season with a high ankle sprain and then eventually getting knocked out for the year. I'm well aware of these things. I drafted him fourth overall in my league of record. And, uh, <laughs> that was uh that was pretty frustrating F injuries in fantasy are so incredibly frustrating but you know when you're an actual player whether it's the nfl or the nba it's an incredibly frustrating for you know many reasons odell beckham said you know suffering that high ankle sprain was boring because he wanted to play football instead he's getting up at the ass crack of dawn so he can ice his leg you know or his ankle or whatever uh, but then he ends up getting hurt for real and ends up getting knocked out. And that's why you see guys react, you know, emotionally uh, on the football field where they're getting car carted off or whatever. Sometimes you see guys get emotional because they know their season is done and they want to play with their teammates and they know what's coming up. They know the long road to recovery is going to be a grind and it's going to be frustrating. And they have to wait to... Uh, they're going to have to wait till next year to do what they want to do, which is, you know, play ball and be out there with their teammates and be out there with their friends and try and win games and stuff like that. So that rehab process is uh, not fun, according to ath athletes from uh, all different sports. Uh, Gordon Hayward, you know, I'm sure he was really looking forward to the season. You know, he could have stayed in Utah, but he decided to come to Boston because it's an exciting place to play basketball. There's a lot of energy there in that building, and there's a lot of excitement. And you, at the time, he was signing up to play with uh, Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford, uh, gets to play with uh, Brad Stevens, and they get to handle that unfinished business is what he said. And, you know, So I'm sure he was extremely excited about it. Fans are anticipating the season because they have all these new pieces. And then they get uh, Kyrie Irving and... You know, it, it, I'm sure he was excited about being part of something that may have been very special. And then to not be able to to play is going to be extremely disappointing. It's going to be extremely frustrating. But he is trying to have fun with the rehab process. Um, when one of the Celtics' recent games was uh, nationally televised, uh, Paul Pierce was hanging out with Gordon Hayward. And Hayward's shooting from the chair, and Paul Pierce is his uh, ball boy, which is pretty sweet, right? You get a future Hall of Famer uh, rebounding the basketball. He's your ball, most high-profile ball boy ever. 
Um, so he's, he's doing that with Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce, like, tried to shoot from the chair. He shoots up an air ball, blames it on the dress shirt that he's got on. Scow challenges uh, Hayward to a shooting contest from the chair. It didn't go very well. Scalabrini ends up kicking the chair over. And he started arguing that his chair was shorter than Gordon Hayward's chair. Scal apparently is very uh, competitive. And I don't know. It just kind of sounds like something that Brian Scalabrini would do. And then he starts making all these like excuses that, well, this guy's been practicing hundreds of these shots. Like, how am I supposed to win this competition? He takes it away too seriously. Uh, and then they had another competition where they're shooting near half-court shots from the chair. And um, they're obviously... Gordon Hayward made one. There was a video of it online. Uh, but Danny knocked down one. Uh, Jalen knocked down one as well. And he's practicing some other stuff from the chair too, like leading passes to teammates who are attacking the basket and also putting spin on layups and stuff like that. So so that's what he's doing. Still doing a lot of stuff from the chair. And, of course, he's got those video projects and stuff like that that he's working on. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess he, he. I haven't heard anyone say that he's officially done for the season. Everyone keeps saying likely done for the season, including his agent and uh, Danny Ainge. So I'm not expecting to see him back. NBC Sports Boston reporting that their TV ratings are just like through the roof. Uh, during they they carried nine of the first ten Celtics games, and they said compared to that same span a year ago, household viewership this year is up by 139 percent. Viewership among men is up 193%, and viewership among adults is up 188%. So uh, Celtics fans really want to watch the team this year. Uh, their live stream is up too. It took 26 games last season to reach the number of streamed minutes they've had this year, and that's just through the first uh, 10 games. And this all despite uh, Gordon Hayward's injury. Uh, people still want to watch uh, Kyrie Irving. They want to watch Jason Tatum and others. And, you know, it's a fun style of basketball that the Celtics play. And, um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of excitement surrounding this year's basketball team. And Gordon Hayward was a big part of that. And then once he got hurt, uh, people just did not lose their enthusiasm uh, for the season. You know, and having Kyrie out there really helps too because that guy is just so much fun to watch. If there, are, there are certain players that... I want to see play basketball. Like if I know a certain player is uh, on national TV, I'll try and watch those guys. Guys like um, Steph Curry, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I just broke something. Uh, players like that. Those are the types of guys. I'll go out of my way to watch those guys. And now we've got like someone like that on our own basketball team. Isaiah was fun to watch last year, but uh, Kyrie Irving is just, Guy's pretty special. The things that he's able to do with the basketball, his handling is just sick. Like his his ball handling ability, that's what separates him from other guys because he can shoot, he can pass. There are guys in the NBA who can shoot and pass, but very few, if any, people can handle the ball the way he does. And that just allows him to get pretty much anywhere on the basketball court that he wants to get. Uh, so Celtics next game Sunday versus Toronto should be a pretty good test for the basketball team. Toronto is seven and four this season. Toronto went three and one versus the Celtics last year. And that one game that Toronto lost to Boston, that came without DeMar DeRozan. And of course, DeRozan will be playing on Sunday and he just is coming off a 33 point win versus New Orleans on Thursday. So a good uh, matchup for the Celtics, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, uh, Valanchunas, Serge Ibaka, 
So should be a good basketball game. Hopefully Al Horford is there. Uh, it doesn't seem like Kyrie Irving will be there, and it's you know it's going to be a difficult matchup because you know those guys can put up points. So you know if Demar Derozan is going to put up 33 points versus the Celtics, they're going to have to play a uh, good defense again to uh, to beat Toronto on Sunday. All right, well that's it for me. Eric Vandenbosch doing the Celtics pod. I will be back uh, at some point, you know, some point pretty soon. So take it easy. Go Seas.